0: Well, good morning. Great to be with you guys. I've been looking forward to this and share with you a little bit about, uh, in this session, about witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm uh, president of Watchman Fellowship. It's an apologetics ministry, meaning defend the faith. And so what we do is we train and equip Christians into be able to understand and reach people of other religions. And so we deal with everything from, from uh, Buddhism, Islam, atheism, uh, how to reach uh, Latter-day Saints, Mormons, how to reach out to our Jehovah's Witness neighbors and, and uh, be able to, to uh, share that gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm just re- very, very excited to be with you guys and to be able to share that with you. So the title of my message this morning is Jehovah's Witnesses, Understanding and Reaching Them in Love. And we do want to, to, to reach them in love. And one of the things I really want to encourage you to understand is that the Jehovah's Witnesses are not our enemy. Uh, they're our neighbors, they're our, our, some of us are friends. Uh, for some of us, uh, you have Jehovah's Witness family. And so when we get that knock on the door, this is not a time to be you know, um, uh, seeing somebody as an enemy, but as a gospel opportunity uh, by speaking the truth in love. So knock, knock at the door, who's there? Now, how many of you have the experience, you go to the door, and there are two Jehovah's Witnesses at your door? They always seem to come at a very inopportune time. Am I right about that? And sometimes you don't know what to do, how to share with them. And uh, there's kind of a right way and a wrong way uh, to be sharing with the Jehovah's Witness. So when the Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, uh, the, um, the best response is not to pretend that no one's home. Now, how many of that's your approach is to pretend that no one is home? It may not be the best way, actually, to reach a Jehovah's Witness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in just a little bit, I'm going to talk to you about two different ways And I'm going to talk in a few minutes about a three-minute approach. If you only have three minutes, I'm going to talk to you about how you can use that three minutes in a way that I think would be powerful and would be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Jehovah's Witness. But then I'm going to talk about another approach if you have some more time, if you have 45 minutes or an hour. You get prepared, and you really want to get in depth with the Jehovah's Witness. I'm going to touch on that and share that with you as well. Uh, but but what I want to first of all do is explain why do we want to reach Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, you know, they have have you noticed they have Bibles in their hands? Did you notice that? And, and they talk about Jesus and God, and uh, they say they're Christian. Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses, while they do use Christian terminology. Uh, basically, the Watchtower theology, their doctrine, violates virtually every major doctrine of the Christian faith. So let's, let's look at the doctrines of Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, first of all, the Jehovah's Witnesses deny the doctrine of the Trinity. If you're taking notes, you just might wanna write that down. That'd be A in your outline. Jehovah's Witnesses deny the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, we would say, the Trinity doctrine, the Bible teaches that, that God is three persons. One God, three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They would deny the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Now that's very important because, think of it this way: doctrine, our, our belief system, our doctrine, is very much like a puzzle. How many of you have ever done this? You put together one of those 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzles. You've done that? Some? Most of you know. Uh, how about one of those six giant piece puzzles? Anybody? Uh, OK, same, same principle. Think about that puzzle. When you're working on the puzzle, did you realize that someone could come along and grab a whole handful of puzzle pieces and walk off? Guess what? You would never know it. Or they could, this is even worse, what if they take puzzle pieces that don't even belong on your puzzle and add them to the pile? And you'll never know until when. When do you find out that that something happened to your puzzle piece? When you get the puzzle put together. Doctrine is that way. Bible doctrine fits carefully together to form the picture of who God is. So when you deny the biblical doctrine of the Trinity, it's going to result clearly in, in a couple of uh, major issues. Uh, be in your outline. They're going to teach another Jesus. If Jesus is not God, uh, if the Trinity is not true, Jesus is not God. Well, who is Jesus then? It'll be another Jesus. See uh, in your outline, another Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not God, then you're going to end up with some other kind of Holy Spirit. And also you're going to have, D in your outline, another gospel. Now those three things, things, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. In the worship service, I'm going to share a message from 2 Corinthians 11, and we're going to go back and visit that. And we're going to see specific examples. Another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. Now two in your outline, there's some other doctrines you should know about from Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are not allowed to serve in politics or in the military. They can't vote in an election. They can't serve in any branch of uh, of uh, military. That's all forbidden. Jehovah's Witnesses are not allowed to celebrate. B in your outline, holidays, a Christmas, Easter, birthdays, all forbidden by Jehovah's Witness theology. See in your outline, the Jehovah's Witnesses are not allowed to have life-saving blood transfusions during a medical emergency. And in our offices back in, in uh, Texas, in Arlington, Texas, we have files with the names of people, uh, including children, who die because they're not allowed to receive a blood transfusion during a medical emergency. And Dean, you're outlined, there's another doctrine called disfellowshipping. If you're a baptized Jehovah's Witness and you're caught violating any major rule, any major doctrine of the, of the society, the Jehovah's Witnesses, a judicial committee of elders can be formed. Let, let's say that you, uh, you, you give your, your daughter a birthday present, or you put up a Christmas tree, let's say, or you allow your son to get a life-saving blood transfusion. If you violate that, a, a, a judicial committee of elders can be formed. You're basically brought on trial uh, at the kingdom hall, and if you're found guilty, you're kicked out of the kingdom, and they're thinking you have just lost your salvation, and catch this. If you're disfellowshipped, you're you're no longer allowed to talk with a current Jehovah's Witness, including, in most cases, even family members. So these are some of the issues that we're up against as we're trying to share with the Jehovah's Witnesses. How are we going to reach them? How are we going to share the gospel? Again, realize that except for God's grace, any one of us could be that Jehovah's Witness. So let's just say you only have three minutes. I want to talk about three in your outline, a three-minute encounter with the Jehovah's Witness. I want to give you some do's, and I want to give you some don'ts. So you've got three minutes. So do's and don'ts. First, number one, don't. Don't be rude. Again, put yourself in the shoes of that Jehovah's Witness. If you were a Jehovah's Witness, how would you want a Christian to respond to you? Jesus told us to do unto others as we would have them uh, doing to us. So we don't want to be rude or ugly. That Jehovah's Witness is sincere. And you can think of it this way. The Jehovah's Witness is not really the perpetrator. They're the victim. And so you want to not be rude. Be kind. Consider it. So don't be rude. Uh, be in your outline. Don't play Bible ping-pong. Now, Bible ping-pong is... With, now, how many think you may know what I'm talking about when I say Bible ping-pong. How many think you may have played a few sets of Bible ping-pong before? That's when you have a Bible verse, and then they give you a Bible verse, you have one, they have one, back and forth it goes. Very little is accomplished, I believe, by beginning with Bible ping-pong. Now, please don't misunderstand. I want to get into a Bible study with that Jehovah's Witness. I would like to share with them from God's Word, but I realize I've only got three minutes, clocks running. And so I don't want to get into an a, a argument or a Bible ping-pong with them, so don't play Bible ping-pong. Let me talk about some do's very quickly. Do share your testimony. One of the most powerful things we can do as a Christian to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of what God did in our lives, the power of a testimony. In fact, I would encourage you. You should work on this if you haven't already done that. You should be able to tell your story in about 60 seconds. Okay, some of you, 90 seconds. But very quickly, you should be able to talk about this was my life before I, I, uh, my sins were forgiven. This is how I was saved and my sins were forgiven through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is my life now that I have received Christ as my Savior. So if I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness, I might say something like this. You know, I'm thankful that you knocked on my door today. And I would love to talk with you. Uh, But today's not a good day for me. I I don't have but just a few minutes. Could I share with you what happened in my life? I was always a religious person. I always uh, believed that there was a God and wanted to serve God and wanted to worship God and wanted to please God. But I always felt like that I never measured up. That even on my best day, I had sins and shortcomings and and faults that, that I could not measure up. I realized that God is perfect and I'm not. But I did also understand, I had some, some friends who shared with me from the Bible that God loves me. And that I can have my sins forgiven, not because of how good I am, but despite of how bad I am. And it came through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I put my faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And God saved me. And since that time, I now have an assurance. I have nothing to fear to stand before God on the judgment day because I know that my sins have been fully forgiven by the death, burial, and resurrection of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I probably went 90 seconds then. But you can share that. And let me tell you how powerful it is, especially if you focus on the assurance of salvation. Let me tell you something. No Jehovah's Witness has an assurance that their sins have ever been forgiven. They're hoping for that. They're working for that. They're striving for that. One of the reasons they're knocking at your door, they're hoping that if they're doing a field service, in fact, they even going to have to count how many hours they go and report that to the Kingdom Hall. Those numbers are collated uh, and, and sent to the Watchtower headquarters, and they track this every year. And if they don't do enough, they fear that they may not be able to survive Armageddon in the last days. So th- those are the do's and don'ts. And how many of you think you could do something like that in just three minutes? Raise your hand if you feel like that you could do something like that in three minutes. If we all could do that corporately... You cannot imagine what difference that could make in Oklahoma City, really across, around the world, if every Christian would just be kind, not be rude, share that testimony, and let God do something with that. But let me ask you this. What if you had some more time? What if you were able to really want to build a relationship, really want to share some information, uh, really help them to see the differences between biblical Christianity Christianity? Uh, and and, uh, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, their organization, the Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll have another approach. This is going to take longer. It's going to take, you know, I've spent as much as two hours talking with Jehovah's Witnesses through this issue. But you want to at least allow 30 to 45 minutes for this. And we call it, uh, there's several approaches, but the one I want to touch on this morning is one that we call the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Dating Game. And that's, uh, in your outline, Jehovah's Witnesses, and The Dating Game. It's number four in your outline. Now that may be not the best title. We we came up with that title many, many years ago and we've gone through several revisions of this particular teaching. The Dating Game is not about whether or not you should date a Jehovah's Witness. People got confused about that. I would say dating Jehovah's Witness, just say no. That's what I would say on that. What it is about is Jehovah's Witnesses is about the games Jehovah's Witnesses have played with people's lives using dates. Now, what you're going to see, and in fact, I'm going to show you some of this, is the Watchtower Society, the Jehovah's Witness organization, has actually set dates. They've played these games with the dates. Uh, they've actually predicted the date uh, for Armageddon. They said that the end of the world as we know it, Armageddon, would hit in 1914. And then they said 1918, 1925, 1975, another major change in 1995. What, what I'll be able to show you. This morning is that most of those times they were absolutely wrong. Actually, all those times. Some of you go, yep, most of the No, all those times they were wrong. But the average Jehovah's Witness has no knowledge of this because they don't look back at the earlier watchtowers. They don't really know the history of their organization. And so if you have some time, this could be very liberating to be able to explain the Jehovah's Witness. There's solid reasons why we don't subscribe to the Watchtower magazine. So Jehovah's Witnesses and the Dating Game, and if you look at A, uh, point four, number A, I've got a free tool for you, and it's the video class and the documentation manual. Now, I'm going to tell you to teach this takes to do a thorough good job about two hours. I don't have two hours right now. So I'm going to give you a taste of it. I'm going to give you two or three samples of this, but I'm also going to take you in a classroom at Criswell College. I taught a course... Unapologetics, and we spent two class periods talking about this particular approach. So about two hours of video, this is normally $25, I'm going to give it to you for free. And if you see in your outline, we have a website for you, and that's uh, www.watchman.org slash JW1914. Now also, if you look right under that, there's a full video training and also the documentation, but you're going to need the password, and the password is the same as what's at the end, JW, capital J, capital W, 1914. So that unlocks that for you for free, not $25, it's for free. When you go in there, what you're going to find is uh, you'll be able to watch this online streaming, the full class. All the information is there for you. But you're also going to get access to download a PDF, same password, and you're going to get a document called Jehovah's Witnesses of the Dating Game. And everything in this that you're going to download is actually, is actually photocopies or scans directly from Watchtower Publications. And one of the reasons we do this approach is Jehovah's Witnesses are not allowed to read Christian literature. So if we were to go to Lifeway, we were, if we were to go to um, Christian Bookstore and get some good books on Jehovah's Witnesses, they are, there are some very good books out there. You cannot basically pay a Jehovah's Witness to read one. Because it's forbidden. They could be disfellowshipped for that. So all we're going to do is show them Watchtower literature, their magazine. So you download the scan. Now, this this means something important. Everything except for the cover, that's their material. Be sure you do this. Before you show any of it to the Jehovah's Witness, take the cover off. So you're going to print these out. You can print off a copy for you, a copy for each Jehovah's Witness. But before you hand it out or show them, just go ahead and take the cover off. Now, once you do that, all you're holding are full-page scans directly from watchtower sources. And what you're going to see is you go through them, again, I'm only going to give you a taste of this, give you a couple of examples, but you'll, you'll see how it works. Uh, you'll see that right away we talk about something called the watchtower test for a prophet. See, the Jehovah's Witnesses have already told us this is how you know if somebody is a true prophet or a false prophet. And they give us some actually, I think, pretty helpful instructions, ironically. So if you look on page one of the, of the scan of the download, uh, it's from the, the, uh, the May 15, 1930 watchtower. And early on, they established the, this principle, and they said this. Since the Bible was completed and inspiration is no longer necessary, a true prophet is one who is faithfully proclaiming what is written in the Bible. And I would say that I think we pretty much agree with that. We don't believe that there are prophets today giving new Bible uh, books or anything, new new revelation. Uh, a God's prophet today would be accurately explaining what the Bible has already taught. So that's pretty good. And it goes on to say, it asks this. But it may be asked, how are we to know whether one is a true or a false prophet? Now, there, see, there's our question. How do you know? If a prophet, there's so many prophets out there, aren't there? You know, Joseph Smith, the Mormon prophet, Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science. Down in Texas, of course, we had the prophet David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Uh, even Even on Christian television, you'll find these prophets telling you that God has told them a message. And if you send a certain amount of money to their P.O. box, you're going to be rich and you're going to be healthy. So how do you know if these prophets really represent God or not? Well, the Bible, the watchtower says there's a way to know that, and here's the watchtower test. I love this. They say this. There are at least three ways by which we can positively decide. Number one, now listen to this. If he is a true prophet, his message will come to pass exactly as prophesied. If he's a false prophet, his prophecy will fail to come to pass. Now, this is great because it's not me saying it. It's their own magazine telling them. Can, can anybody guess where we're going with this? How do you know if a prophet's true or not? His prophecy will come to pass. If not, he's not a true prophet. It goes on to say, This rule is laid down by God himself through Moses as follows. If thou say in thine heart, how shall we know? And you can't really tell here, but on your scan, that, that sentence, is, that, that quote, that page cuts off in mid-sentence. That's the end of the page. So you can't see the rest of the verse. Now, we use this for a purpose. I want, to, I want to transition the Jehovah's Witness off of reading this Watchtower page. I want to get them into the Bible. So what I would normally say is, um, If thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word? I say, you know, we, I can't see the rest of that verse. Uh, let's go to the Bible and see what the rest of that verse says. See what I'm doing? I'm switching them off of the watchtower onto the Bible at this point. And we're going to then talk about the biblical test for a prophet, which is ironically pretty much the same. It's Deuteronomy 18, uh, verses 20 through 22. So let's read in the Bible. The Bible says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Uh, verse 21, and if you say in your heart, how, we mean, how may we know the word the Lord has not spoken? Uh, verse 22, how do you know? Again, you're back to how do you know? Do we flip a coin? You know, heads are true, tails are false. The Bible gives us an objective test. And here's the test. Verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord. Let me stop right there. Um, we're not expecting prophets to be perfect. Only God's perfect. Prophets make mistakes, right? But not when they speak in the name of the Lord. See, that's when the test is applied. When a prophet says, thus saith the Lord, or they speak in the name of the Lord, that's when the test is on. Now, let me ask this. When a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, think about this for a minute, do they ever come in their own name? Does, hey, my name is Fred Smith, and I want to talk to you. Um, and my name is, is, is Lucy Jones, I want to talk to you. No, they always say, I'm a what? Jehovah's Witness. What is the name of the Lord according to the Jehovah's witnesses? They're coming in Jehovah's name. So basically the test is on. Verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, now watch this, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is the word which the Lord has not spoken, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you need not be afraid of him. So what the Bible teaches is that we're to fear God, we're to respect God, but we don't respect we don't fear a false prophet and how do we know if they speak in the name of the Lord and it doesn't come to pass so basically what the Bible's teaching is this when you make a prediction in the Lord's name in, in God's name in Jehovah's name and you say something's going to come to pass at a certain time the Bible says we must be right at least 51 percent of the time right no, that's not what it said. What did it say? Oh, we, might, we must be right 94% of the time. That's an A in most schools. How, how much do you have to be right? One, here, here's the principle that I, help, I want to help them see. Both their own magazine has said it. Now we see that the Bible says the very same thing. One false prophecy equals a false prophet. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses will resist that. And you'll hear usually, well, you know, uh, nobody's perfect. You know, prophets make mistakes, right? Um, And they'll make some biblical examples. You know, didn't didn't Moses make a mistake? He struck the rock. He was supposed to speak to the rock. I mean, prophets make mistakes, right? Certainly they do, but not when they say, when they're speaking in the name of Jehovah, they're not. Um, One false prophecy equals a false prophecy. It kind of works like this. Prophecy, I give this illustration. It helps sometimes. Prophecy works a lot like murder, So here's my question. How many people do you have to kill to be a murderer, would you say? One? Now, that seems awfully strict. Well, no, you you don't have to kill everybody you meet. Just one, and that's enough to place you in the category. In in baseball, we have the rule. Three strikes, and then you're out. Three strikes, you're out, right? When it comes to being a prophet, you don't get three strikes before you're out. In fact, it's not even one strike, and you're out. It's actually one strike, and you're dead. Now, did did you catch it? Verse 20, when a prophet, when it's a false prophecy, that prophet will be put to death. That prophet will die. Now, I'm not suggesting that we stone the next Jehovah's Witness that comes into our front yard. I'm just trying to help them see this is very significant. When you say Jehovah, I'm a Jehovah's Witness, that means you're coming in the name of Jehovah and you make a prediction. Now, uh, we could go on and talk more about this, but I I do want to look at the dates, but we want to set up why this is so important. And uh, there's a section I won't deal with, and that's going to be the watchtower's claim to be a prophet. The watchtower's claim to be a prophet. Repeatedly, the watchtower said that we're a prophet on the earth today in the same way that that, um, uh, Ezekiel was a prophet in in the Old Testament. We're that kind of prophet today. So what I want to do now is deal with the dates themselves. And so in your documentation, you have full-page photocopy scans directly from the Watchtower books, periodicals, Awake Magazine, Watchtower Magazine. And let me just share with you, uh, I'll sure, share a couple, just for the sake of time, just to give you an idea of what's in there. And so let's first of all deal with the, uh, the date 1914. So if you see D in your outline, I'm sorry, C in your outline, fail dates, uh, the first one, first blank is going to be the date 1914. And I want to read to you from uh, the volume two of the book called The Time is at Hand which was one of the six-volume studies in the Scriptures written by the founder of the Watchtower himself, Charles Taze Russell, the main teaching book of its day, and very clearly this is what it was teaching. uh, I'll read to you. This is in uh, page 5 of your download. Be not surprised, then, when in subsequent chapters we present proofs that the setting up of the kingdom of God has already begun, that it is pointed out in prophecy, as due to begin the exercise of power in AD 1878, and that the battle of the great day of God Almighty, look at this, Revelation 16 14, which will end in AD 1914 with the complete overthrow of over Earth's present rulership, is already commenced. Now, I don't know if you could catch that or not, but what it's very clearly teaching right there on page five of your, of your download is that 1914 is going to be. Uh, the end of the world as we know it. It's going to be the Battle of Armageddon. And so 1914, the Jehovah's Witnesses were teaching that, preaching that, going door to door, spreading that message. 1914 came, what happened? Well, World War I did happen, but that certainly wasn't the Battle of Armageddon. So 1914 came, and what happened? 1914 went. So we have a failed prophecy. Uh, again, the, 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 the prophecy did not come to pass. Now, we have a second example for you as well. 1914 came and went, and the end did not come. Well, actually, the end did come, but only for Charles Taze Russell. He died on October 31st, 1916. And almost immediately upon his death, the second Watchtower president, Joseph Franklin Rutherford, issued a new prophecy about Armageddon. Armageddon's not going to be 1914. Armageddon's going to be the year 1918. And in fact, in one of the publications, volume 7 of the studies in the scriptures, um, they clearly taught that in 1918, as part of destroying the, all the evil in the world, God was going was to destroy at Armageddon all the evil, but he was especially going to sh- destroy the Christians, the Christian churches. And the, the, the publication says, and it's in your scan, in your download, that in 1918, God would destroy all the churches wholesale. All the churches would be destroyed wholesale. Well, as one critic pointed out, in 1918, actually, God didn't even destroy the church's retail, much less wholesale. The end does not come. 1918 comes and goes, and you have another failed prediction. Well, as you can imagine, the Watchtower president then sets a new date for the end. The new date's going to be the year 1925. And as a sign that Armageddon was about to strike in the year 1925, you have the documents here several of them actually to talk about this God was going to resurrect back from the dead Abraham from the book of Genesis and Isaac and Jacob and David and Samson everyone mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 we're going to come back to earth be resurrected be back on earth and help God's people through this terrible time of destruction at Armageddon and so Abraham's going to come back what year? 1925, well, in case you're on the edge of your seat wondering, 1925 comes and goes, Abraham does not show up, nor King David or Isaac or anyone else. So you have 1925 fail. But when 1925 came and went, the Watchtower, on none of these dates, they never come out and repent, we're sorry, um, uh, we were wrong. Uh, They continued to teach that Abraham was coming, along with the the others from Hebrews chapter 11. They were going to be resurrected soon. So after 1925 came and went, believe it or not, the Watchtower Society actually built a house for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to live in in San Diego, California. And they named the house Beth-Sarim. Beth-Sarim means house of the princes. And so they built the house and... I'm just going to show you one more document from here, so I don't have time to go into all the, uh, all the, the uh, documentation. But on page 11 of your download that you're going to get, uh, here's what it has to say. Uh, but, but Before I read it to you, what year was Abraham supposed to come back? 1925. This is clear in the year 1942. It says, And hence, those faithful men of old may be expected back from the dead any day now. Just running late, goes on to say, the scripture gives good reason to believe it shall be shortly before Armageddon breaks. In this expectation, what are they expecting? Abraham and the others to come back from the dead right before Armageddon breaks. In this expectation, The house at San Diego, California, which house has been much publicized with malicious intent by the religious enemy, was built in 1930 and named Bethserene, meaning House of the Princes. And then they add this. The house, it says, it is now held in trust for the occupancy of those princes on their return. Now, I kind of question that statement. Well, I question all of it, actually. But I've actually been to San Diego several times, photographed the house. We've got copies at our office in Texas of the original deed uh, for the Bethserim home. Now, I didn't, I didn't know you could even legally do this. But the Watchtower drew up the deed in such a way that while they bought the home and paid for the home, they never technically owned the home. It was actually deeded to Abraham of the Bible and Isaac and King David. And I didn't know you could even do that. And so the Watchtower even provides instructions on how Abraham is supposed to get the house. Abraham of the Bible is to to first go to Brooklyn, New York at the Watchtower headquarters and properly identify himself as Abraham from the book of Genesis. Now, I don't know if this involves a photo ID or a driver's license, But he's supposed to go there and identify himself, and then when he proves he's who he said he is, then they're going to give him occupancy of the house. Now, how many of you believe that Abraham and his friends showed up and got the house? No. I'll tell you what happened. This is a beautiful palatial mansion. Uh, It sold probably 15 years ago for $2.5 million. Uh, What happened is when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not show up, the watchtower president himself moved in this home. Uh, he died in, in, in January of 1942, the same month and year that this book came out. And the Watchtower then sold, uh, uh, so, sold the home a couple of years later and then later lied about the house. You have the documents to show that they, they claimed that the purpose of the house was for the, the Watchtower president to have a place to live. That was never the purpose of the house. We have the documents to show this. And then they sold the house covering up in a very embarrassing chapter of their history. So you have 1975, you see it again. This is, this is systemic. This is something repeated problem that they have, these false prophecies. In 1975, since the, since the late 1960s, they were teaching that not just would Armageddon be in 1975, they narrowed down, it would be the autumn, the fall of the year 1975, it would happen. Again, nothing happened there as well. 1975 came and 1975 went. And fascinating, they have another major date change concerning the year 1995. And we, we will show you, and I'll teach you through this whole section, about how they even said that, uh, they changed what they had claimed for decades uh, was God's promise uh, concerning the year, c- concerning Armageddon and this last generation. I can give you other examples and stuff, and again, I do want to encourage you both approaches be, be ready for a three minute approach certainly uh, but you're going to have opportunities I think to have a, a more thorough discussion there's real reasons why uh, we as Christians just don't trust this magazine we don't trust the, the, the organization and one of the best ways to share this and, and let me just say I, I'm telling you what, the best way because I've done it wrong so much and so I, I'm slow but eventually I catch on <laughs> So my nature, is, my nature is to say to a Jehovah's Witness, it's just my DNA. Uh, you're wrong, and I can prove you're wrong six ways. Twelve ways I can show you how wrong you are. That's not a very good approach. That's not being nice. It's not speaking the truth in love. It may be truth, but it's certainly not being spoken in love. So what I do instead is turn that around. I'm so glad you knocked on my door today. I, ha- I have a problem. Maybe you can help me. Now, see, what I used to say, you have a problem, but I can help you. I turned it around. I have a problem. Maybe you can help me. I've seen some Watchtower publications, and I, I'm very interested in this, this whole topic. I've been shown some Watchtower publications that would cause me not have, to not have any faith in the magazine or the organization. But I know there's two sides to every story. And if I've been misled or I'm, I'm wrong, I certainly would want to know that I'm wrong. Could I show you some of the watchtower publications that I'm struggling with, that I'm having difficulty with? Perhaps I can hear your, your perspective on this. Now, I want to show them the same information, but it's just a much more loving way to, to have a discussion. Now, let me say, this is, this is tough information for Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, no matter how nice I, I try my best to be, usually we don't get all the way to the end of the book before they have another appointment they've got to go to. So what, what I sometimes do is set the stage. Hey, I'm so glad you came. Today's not a good day for me. I'll do the three-minute approach. Would you mind coming back next Saturday when I have some more time? My wife and I would love to sit down with you. Uh, she, uh, you know, I'll, she'll make us a pot of coffee, maybe some refreshments. Do you, you have an hour we, we could talk? I have some questions. You could, maybe you could help me uh, understand your perspective on this. So you want to build that relationship. You say, well, James, is it worth it? Should we try to reach our Jehovah's Witnesses and neighbors and friends? Uh, let me just say, I, I really do believe not only is this a mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, but I think God is using us and He wants to use you, He wants to use me. I, I can give you many examples. Let me just close with one. Let me talk about Tiffany Roden. Tiffany Roden lives in Arlington, Texas, where I live, and um, lifelong Jehovah's Witness uh, from, uh, well, from from very, very early age of Jehovah's Witness. Um, went door to door, believed in Kingdom Hall, believed the, the, the Watchtower magazine. But she was going through some major spiritual crisis in her life. And she confided in her mother-in-law that she was having some questions that she couldn't find the answers to these questions in the Watchtower magazine. Now, her mother-in-law happens to be a member at Fielder Church which is my church. And so her mother-in-law says, well, I know what you need to do. You need to go talk with James Walker. Now, that was like, well, a lot of them know who I am. You don't want to talk to James Walker. And she, oh, no, I don't want to. No, I know who he is. But she, she was so desperate, she eventually changed her mind. She made an appointment to come see me. And she was, like, trembling when she came to the Watchman Fellowship. It's like they've been told so many bad things about this. But she was desperate. And we started talking about some of the struggles she was having. She had no assurance that her sins had ever been forgiven. And uh, she was really struggling with some issues. And, and we talked about some of these things. We talked about the grace of God. We talked about... Uh, she said, but the watchtower says... The watchtower says... I said, yeah, but, but you know, there's reasons why you might want to think again about what the watchtower says. Because they've already failed the test of a prophet. And we went through some of these documents... And um, it, there were, I'm, I'm making a, compressing a long story, but bottom line is, uh, sharing the gospel with her, praying for her, I knew she was close. And then on a Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, I, I got a phone call from, from uh, Tiffany. She said, James, I know it's short notice, but I had to tell you, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I prayed, I've received forgiveness of sin, and I'm being baptized at your church tomorrow morning. And I was able to be there right in time to snap this picture and see Tiffany Roden come, uh, going into the waters of baptism. And uh, she came back a couple of times. She was really struggling with her Jehovah's Witness family. She wanted to see them set free. They, w- they were really attacking her in a number of different ways, and we talked about some strategies. And then uh, about a year later, I got this email from her. She said this. I'll share a portion of this email. Hi James, I was saved October 26, 2009, after months of research with the aid of your package on spiritual bondage and finding Bible truths. Since my last visit with you a year and a half ago, the Lord has given me much responsibility in getting his message out to those I love and to his lost. My desire when I met you was to find out how to minister to my family and friends who have deep roots in the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. The package you gave me was paramount. Now listen to this in winning my sister, niece, and two nephews to Christ. They are now born-again Christians who have been freed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that was just the beginning. The books, the study guides you gave were amazing in teaching me how to answer a, Jehovah's, uh, answer a witness with every question they throw at me, and not to become defensive, but become compassionate, so that God's message might be heard by ears that have been deaf to the truth for so many years. James, I was an emotional mess when I met with you at your office in the summer of 2009. Uh, And there's not a day that goes by, I don't think, about the advice you gave me that emotional day to never forget that feeling of those heavy prison chains of spiritual bondage so that I will be able to use my past to bring many to Christ. You also promised that the Lord would give me strength. And heal me from the lies that were fed to me. And from never having a loving relationship with the Lord from my youth. That Christ's joy would come. That, I, that there would be his peace living inside of me. My brother in Christ, I have all those things residing in me. And so much more, thank you. You were paramount in uh, giving me the knowledge, wisdom, and truth. I needed to go out boldly for Christ to win many to, his, to him. Tiffany Roden. I just want to encourage you. There are many, many Tiffany Rotens out there. And you never know when that Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door where they are in that spiritual journey. How close are they to throwing in the towel? How close they might be to seeing that there are some issues and problems. The Holy Spirit might be touching their life right now for all we know. So I want to encourage you. At least make a commitment this morning that, that you're not going to pretend that no one's home anymore. And that you'll at least take a three-minute uh, approach to be able to share the gospel and to pray for them. Please, sure that's the, the other thing to do. You do want to pray for them. In every case, you pray. The spiritual, spiritual struggle is not won is not through just talk, conversation, even Scripture. We need God working and touching their lives. So I want to touch, touch base with you on a couple of resources that we have to help you on some other topics as well. Um, we have some tools. Uh, you might have heard it said before, I think it's true. If the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, guess what? Everything starts looking like a nail. So I believe that you need to have the right tool for the job. Am I right? You have the right tool for the job. We try to help you. That's part of our ministry to help you in that. Uh, we have a book that I've written called The Concise Guide to Today's Religions and Spirituality. That's a starting point. 1,700 religions and the, and the kind of the cheat sheet on uh, 1,700 religions and spiritual leaders. I'll tell you more about that later today about this book. We also have four very important DVDs. We've got two DVD debates, two-hour debates. We've got one, a debate that I did with Khalil Meek, the president of the Muslim Legal Fund of America, on the issue which is true, Christianity or Islam. Two-hour debate. Uh, you need to be in prayer. I'm going to have a, a third debate with Khalil Meek coming up next month, the last Sunday of August. Uh, and he's a former Baptist who turned Muslim, head of the Muslim Legal Fund of America now. So you get that. It's a great witnessing tool. I have another debate that I did uh, with a Mormon leader. Elder Joseph Evans is the head of the Mormon Church Seminary Program for all of North Texas and their, their, their college university program uh, for the... Um, Dallas, in Collin County, uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, for two hours we debated the the topic is Mormonism Christian. And when you watch the debate, I, if I get chance this evening, I'll try to show you a little clip from the debate. Uh, but uh, we uh, try to model that you could be on opposite sides of this topic and still be friends, and still be respectful. Joe is still my friend, even, you won't believe it, even after the debate, Joe is still a friend, and I had lunch with him earlier this year, and I've also had numerous conversations with him as well. So you'll wanna be praying for Joe, this is a great witnessing tool. We also have one called The Marks of a Cult, uh, an hour and 40 minute documentary that talks about how to recognize any counterfeit spiritual group by the four functions of math, add, subtract, multiply, and divide, it's a great teaching tool, Great for uh, This is a great one to share with your children and grandchildren as well. Excellent tool. And then we have one on Jehovah's Witnesses in the name of Jehovah. Uh, a great crash course on that. You meet uh, current Jehovah's Witnesses, but also hear the fantastic testimonies of some former Jehovah's Witnesses as well. Uh, and uh, I, I hope to t- touch a little bit more about the material uh, maybe this evening with you. Let me just say, I want to thank you for being here. Let me share uh, with you. Uh, I will also this evening at 5 o'clock be sharing my story as a former fourth generation Mormon. Uh, I'll share that with you this evening as well at 5 o'clock. And uh, let me just pray with you. Father, we want to thank you for truth. Help us to be able to know the words to say. Be led by the Spirit. Be motivated by your love as we have the opportunity to uh, to speak the truth in love to the Jehovah's Witness, our neighbors, some of us have coworkers. workers uh, some of us as students have friends at school who are Jehovah's Witness. Uh, all of us want to be ready for that next knock on the door. Use us, we ask you, in Jesus' name, amen.